First of all, uh, thanks to David for filling in for me. Um, I had to be in the hill country of Texas, so I was out of town. So I know he did a good job. Tonight, as it says up there, we're doing the fear of the Lord. If you remember in our introduction, we said that the fear of the Lord was the theme of Proverbs, or at least that's what I said, was the theme of Proverbs. So tonight, particularly, we will, we will study. When you think of this, I guess I better turn it on. See if that helps. When you think of the fear of the Lord, we know that Proverbs has a lot to say about it, but there's a lot of other verses, and I only put five of them down here that refer to the fear of the Lord. And when you think of that, in Job it says, Behold, the fear of the Lord is wisdom, and that's what we're looking at is wisdom and knowledge. In Isaiah, it's a treasure. In Psalms, a person is blessed who fears the Lord. If you remember when Brother Brian just taught Deuteronomy, in this particular verse, he asked, who makes the decision where we stop or what we do? And the Lord makes the decision on the tithes and the, and the things like that. But it basically says, so they may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And I just put Colossians 3.22 with sincerity of heart and fearing the Lord. And there's a lot more verses, but it gives you an idea that Proverbs doesn't have everything on the fear of the Lord. When you think of that, we looked at two verses, Proverbs 1.7 and Proverbs 9.10. And it says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And in 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But there is a catch here. When you think of this, there's nothing wrong with knowledge, is there? There's nothing wrong with gaining knowledge for whatever reason, is there? There's nothing wrong with using that knowledge with wisdom. But there's a catch from the Lord on this. And the catch is that we need to understand that when we talk about the fear of the Lord and we talk about the beginning of knowledge and we talk about the beginning of wisdom, there's a buy-off that says we need to be doing it spiritually, don't we? We need to have it focused on the spiritual. I'm not, not knocking knowledge from the secular world, but what's our ultimate gain? Our ultimate gain is being with the Lord. So we need to understand God's point of view as we consider this uh, knowledge. Another part of this, we need to think about wisdom and knowledge, like I said, from a spiritual standpoint, because that's what God would have us. John and I were talking about it. The fear of the Lord is not something that's a miraculous thing, is it? That the Holy Spirit all of a sudden comes down and says you have the fear of the Lord. What is the catch to it for you and I individually? 
It's a hard question on Wednesday, isn't it? We must have it. It is individual, isn't it? We have to do something, don't we? We have to work on the fear of the Lord. It's an individual task, isn't it? It's an individual reasoning for us to understand why we fear the Lord. When you go a little bit farther, fear, it's interesting that it, of course, it's phobos with the Greek, which we would know, but it's reverence. We talked about being reverent, terror, Carefulness, fright, dread, fear is that affection of the mind that arises from the awareness of approaching danger. The fear of God is of several kinds. Superstitious, which is a fruit of ignorance. Servile, which leads to abstinence from many sins through apprehension of punishment, which we understand that. Phileo, which has a spring in love and prompts to care not to offend God and to endeavor in all things to please him, and that comes from hungers. There's a catch that this philil is assuming uh, when you look at the word that it is basically a reaction of a child or an offspring toward their parents. And when you think of that, it also carries that there is a duty of the child to who? The parent. Who is our parent? God. So this duty is not only the fact of understanding that we have a duty as a uh, child of God because we, we, we are considered Christians and we're a child of God that we have to understand that our reverence is toward God. Knowledge uh, the root is expressed knowledge gained in various ways and what this uh, theological workbook of the Old Testament was basically saying is you gain knowledge through your own activity as, as well as us being vintage that we should learn uh, as we get older. It occurs 93 times in the Old Testament. It's in the wisdom literature, 41 times in Proverbs, 10 times in Job, and 9 times in Ecclesiastes. At the same time, it was interesting that Strong's Dictionary of Bible Words says to know, observation, care, recognition, instruction, designation, acknowledge, be aware, and be diligent and really discerning. So there's a part of it that says we've got to constantly develop this knowledge, don't we? We have to constantly develop the wisdom, don't we? The last one is wisdom, and it covers everything with the experience, but also to lead him to the fear of the Lord, for this is the beginning of wisdom. True wisdom for man involves knowing the Holy One, and vines did the same thing. The consistency of making the right choice is an indication of maturity and development the prerequisite of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So it comes back to Proverbs, doesn't it? The, the factor that when you look at these definitions, they go to Proverbs. As we carry this farther, if you turn to Proverbs 2, Proverbs 2, I want to read 1 through 5, Proverbs 2, 1 through 5. And I put up here, what is fear of the Lord? 
And naturally, we would put knowledge of God. And in Proverbs 2, 1 through 5, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as a hidden treasure, then you will understand what? The fear of the Lord. So there, there is some action involved with us and there is action as part of this fear of the Lord that we said it's an individual action that we need to develop this fear of the Lord in order to have the knowledge of God, don't we? If we don't know God, what's going to happen? We don't fear the Lord, do we? We don't understand where we are. If you look about hating evil, if you look at uh, Proverbs 8:13, if you're there, just skip over a few pages. Proverbs 8 and verse 13. It says, "The fear of the Lord is to love evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way." Is that the way your Bibles read? No, Derek's shaking his head. No. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance in the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Also, if you'll just turn over, and I did put it up there, to Proverbs 16 and verse 6. Proverbs 16 and verse 6. Here is, is part of the issue is what are the fear of evil? It's the action, action of hating. I mean, fear of the Lord is the action of hating evil. In Proverbs 16, 6, in mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. You know, when you think of the fear of the Lord, one of the things we need to do to stay next to the Lord is stay away from evil. It's kind of common sense, isn't it? It's a sense that says we avoid it, we stay away from it, then we're using wisdom and understanding to understand what can happen to us. Not just you can be punished for sin, but to understand we should respect the Lord and His commandments and not like anything that goes against it. If you go to instruction uh, of wisdom into 1533, just skip back uh, one ch uh, chapter, in Proverbs 15.33, it says, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. So here, when, when we look at this, we're not just looking at verses that say fear of the Lord, but we're looking at what is involved with this fear of the Lord. You know, knowledge, hating evil, the instruction of wisdom, so that when we develop this knowledge, we know how to use it, don't we? We know how to use it from a Christian standpoint, is what I'm saying. Not just to say we've understood secular knowledge, but to understand spiritual knowledge and then to use it properly. Any comments so far? Let's go to hope in the Lord in, in chapter 23. If I miss somebody, yell at, at me. 23, 
23, 17, and 18. In chapter 23, 17, and 18, do not let your heart envy sinners, but in the fear of the Lord, continue all day long. And when you think of that, we know that all through Proverbs, we know in, in Psalms that when you think of sinners, it is the way that's more fun, isn't it? it it's easy to be entangled with sin because it's fun. It's, it's an easy road to consider. It's an easy road to go down. It's a wide road. We'll talk about two paths in future lessons. And these paths make it so that it looks good and it feels good. And it's something that we can consider very easily. But our hope is to consider the Lord and to cut off this evil, to cut off that way. And then let's go to the very last one, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We, we know these verses. We've heard them many, many times. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, verse 5, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the, the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. You know, when you, when you think of prolonging days, uh, here it says uh, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Uh, in some versions it says abide uh, and, you know, do not depart, but abide uh, in these things. And when you think of this and you think of, of prolonging your days, it's not just us living longer. What it is, is it's saying to us a lot that if we stay on the Lord's side, we're going to have better days, aren't we? We're going to have days that we can depend on the Lord. And it, and it talks about here, and, and you that are, that are in the uh, medical field know that when they talk about uh, different body parts and things like that, these prolonging of the days in 3, 3 through 5, if you notice, it says your health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And some of it is even made mention to your navel and to your bone marrow, which we know that this is what? The central organs. This is where our heart is in, up in here. And also the bone mar marrow is something that we have to have. And when you think of this, it's saying that we can trust in the Lord and that even with us abiding with Him, it takes us out of darkness, doesn't it? It keeps us in the light when we abide with the Lord. And sometimes uh, we just don't understand that because sin makes it so nice. 
Any questions or comments so far? Well, why should we, I guess, fear the Lord? And I put prolong the days, and when you uh, go to Proverbs 19.23, which will also cover satisfaction, use one verse for both of them, in 19.23, and this goes into that abiding too, it says, the fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction, and he will not be visited with evil. This part of abiding with satisfaction is saying that if my faith is strong enough, aren't we more satisfied as a Christian than we are in the evil side? We should be, shouldn't we, because of our faith. We should understand that that's part of it, of being in this area of fear of the Lord, is because the Lord will take care of us. He will take care and satisfy us. It's something easy. At the same time, in satisfaction, I put 19, uh, 23 because it says, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. This is the New King James Version. And he will not be visited with evil. So there's this part of us that says there is a protection. I know when my dad, and, and probably Betty remembers, when my dad many times would lead a prayer, he said, hold us in your hands, Lord. Protect us that way, you know, holding us in your hands. And I always remember that, that here's a protection, a protection that doesn't go away and that we can know that we're taken care of. If you look at confidence in 14 and verse 26, 14, 26. When you think of confidence, it says, in the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence, and his children will have a place of refuge. When, when we have problems, when we have things that upset us, we know to pray, don't we? And we pray with the confidence that the Lord hears us, right? He might not answer it right then. He might not answer it the way we want to, but he's listening, isn't he? We have faith that he does that. And this confidence is, is with this fear of the Lord and understanding that the Lord's in charge, we can go with boldness to him, can't we? Knowing that as a Christian, we have a different life pattern than anybody else, don't we? I'm not saying in this church, I'm saying Christians. When they approach the Lord, they're in a different relationship, aren't they? They're in a relationship of a family member, just like we said before. And they have a duty to that parent. And as such, we can have satisfaction. I don't think sometimes we realize that. If you go to chapter 15 and verse 16, 15 and Verse 16, I'm doing the word contentment. 
It says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. When you think of this, if you go to Matthew chapter 6 and excuse me, look at verse 25, does anybody remember how that's really what that's talking about? It's talking about worry, isn't it? It's saying to us, when Jesus is on doing the Sermon on the Mount in 5, 6, and 7, as part of that chapter, He says, don't worry about these things. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to sleep, what's going to happen. If you depend on Me, I'll take care of you, the Lord. But when you turn over to Matthew uh, 6, if you'll turn over there real quick since we're talking and I was just paraphrasing, Matthew 6, we wouldn't start at 25. But what he does is in Matthew 6 and verse 33, how does he end all this? He says, seek first what? Kingdom of God and what else? righteousness and then what does he say you'll be content won't you you'll get all these things won't you and this this part that says to us when we worry about things with this fear of the lord it's a factor that says i can depend on the lord he's going to take care of me when you look at matthew 6 and verse 25 matthew 6 25 therefore i say to you do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then he goes down and talks about the birds and he calls them, oh, you of little faith. And uh, says the same thing when I say, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Sufficient is the day is its own trouble. There is a contentment in the Lord. There is a contentment as a Christian. There is contentment that says, I have a greater being, God, that I can depend on, and He'll take care of me. That's what we call faith, is it? When you look at three uh, Proverbs 3, 7 and 8, Proverbs 3, 7 and 8. And this leads us kind of to the next part. Hebrews, I mean, Proverbs 3, 7 and 8. It says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. You know, um, we... Uh, had a young man at Oak Mountain years ago, and uh, we found out on a Monday afternoon that he had some kind of special cancer. I don't even remember. Deborah probably would remember it. And we decided to have a prayer session on that Tuesday. The next Tuesday at 8 or 8.30, gathered the men and anybody that wanted to read or do a prayer. I'm not saying that because of that prayer meeting that he's still with us today, but I'm saying the men put 
themselves out to be very bold and to think in, in your mind of trying to heal a young man. He came before us. His, his worries and his pain were before us. You know, there were grown men choked up up there for this little boy. And he's still here today. So power of prayer is a lot more powerful than we think. And the, and the refreshing and the healing of prayer is unbelievable. I needed that. When you, when you think about it and you think about refreshing here that it's coming down that this fear of the Lord, we've got to remember that the Lord is here to take care of us, but there's got to be a part of us that says we want to be taken care of, don't we? We want to be part of the Lord's kingdom. That's why we do invitations, isn't it? Bill? Uh, one of the things that I got to thinking about during this discussion is this it's it's one to me one of the things that makes the book of Proverbs unique in, in this way you could take a lot of things you've just talked about and not make a too far leap to the prosperity gospel you know hey look you believe in God your days will be longer but at the same time you know you look at some of the things that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount even in Ecclesiastes you know the very next book not everybody who fears the Lord lives a long time. And, and evil people live longer than good people. So how do you reconcile um, what you've just been covering for the last 10 minutes uh, with, with the fact that some people who fear the Lord don't have prolonged days? Uh, you know? And, and it's, to me, it's unique. But in, this is how I reconcile it in my mind. I don't want to just like, put a problem out there without a, without a solution. You think about what you've just been talking about. What's, what's the motivation for these things um, that the fear of the Lord is certainly going to get you farther than being a foolish man on the average right uh, but, we, but we do it we, we don't do these things so God owes us prolonged days you know contentment or think we do it because we recognize that this is the, the only true way to get those things um, true true long days like in the eternal sense right well and I think we have to come back we do it because we want to, don't we? We want to please God, don't we? When we come in here for worship, we are worshiping an audience of one, aren't we? And that's the Lord. And when we think of that and we understand that, we also understand that from the very beginning, as Bill said, the Lord shines the sun on the good and who? the evil. And we know that sometimes the evil overturns and the good go quick. What was the song? The good die young. But the point is for us, to me, and, and leading up to what Bill's saying, if we want to serve the Lord, if we want to be in His kingdom, we can have a long life, but it might not be here. It might be in eternity, right? That's what, that's what the goal is. But it has to be individual action. Deborah can't do it for me. I can't do it for Deborah. Can't do it for the grandchildren. We'd love to do it, but you can't. They have to make their own decisions, don't they? I think it's not just because we want to fear him, but because he's owed that. Exactly. Exactly. 
It, it, there is no point. We, we can't ever do anything to pay the debt. We owe him is exactly right. When we take this, what happens if, if you know, without fear of the Lord, what, what's the end result after what we've talked about? Any ideas? Come back to the fool? Do what? Death. Destruction. You know, what happens when we don't depend on the Lord? That, that's what we're saying, aren't we? Well, what I'm getting to is we've decided if we don't depend on the Lord, who are we going to depend on? Ourselves, right? And if we depend on ourselves, what happens? <laughs> Destruction. It, it all happens, doesn't it? If you turn to Romans 12 and verse 16, Romans 12 and verse 16. In Romans 12 and 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. And it says, my version, New King James says, do not be wise in your own opinion. What does that mean? That says we have to have wisdom, but it's not my opinion, is it? We have to have wisdom but it needs to be directed toward God, doesn't it? That wisdom. Because our own opinion doesn't matter, does it? What matters is what the book says, doesn't it? Go back in Romans to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And when you read Romans chapter 3, 3... Uh, of verse 10 through 18, which some of it comes from Psalms, it says in, in verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. Going down to 12, they've gone their own way, they've come unprofitable. Uh, their throat in verse 13 is an open tomb, They're, they practice deceit. There's poison as the asp under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness in 14. and 15, they're swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways in verse 16. 17, the way of peace they have not known. And then what does it say to bottom lineness in verse 18? It says in my version, there is no fear of God where? before their eyes. It's saying that all these things, they didn't fear the Lord, did they? They took it on themselves. And when they took it on themselves, what happens? All these things. When you look at that, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. And somebody said destruction and somebody said death, didn't they? I put up two other verses or two other things. If you go to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 
1, 18 through 21. And you're well aware of these verses. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who what? Believe. So there is a buy-off, isn't there, for us as Christians uh, of belief. If you go on to chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18. It says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become as a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one glory in men, for all things are yours. Am I contradicting myself that says we should develop wisdom according to the, to the word and now it says don't be wise? What's the difference? Coming where it comes from, what else was said? Why? There's a difference in wise, isn't there? There's a wise to the understanding of what God would want us to do and wise in where? The world. Can you have both? Probably so. Exactly. That's what I was getting to. If you can depend on God, what's going to happen? We've already said He's going to take care of you, right? Your wisdom has to be rooted in God, doesn't it? It has to be rooted in God. Any other comments? A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. I uh, put up there Luke 12. Most everybody, was there somebody had a comment? Go ahead. We turn to Luke 12 while we're waiting for John. Just thinking about that, depending on yourself, you know what Jeremiah 10, 23 says, it's not in man that walks to direct his own steps. And you look at Proverbs 14 and verse 12 and 16, 25. It says basically the same thing. It reminded me of what they say about, about a man who is accused of something, has to go to court, and he's going to be his own lawyer, says so he's got a fool for a client. <laughs> and if we're going to depend upon ourselves, then that pretty now, much Now, if anybody's applies. an attorney in here, I didn't say that. <laughs> I get in trouble every time I say that. It's, that's exactly right. It's not for us to direct our own steps, is it? And when we think of that, if you look up here at Luke 12, and we're not going to read all this, you know what Luke 12 and verses I put on there, 16 through 21, and it's about a rich man and his field. And if you go through and count how many eyes are in there, does he ever say, I depended on God? 
No, he didn't depend on God. It says in verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then those whose things be which you have provided, who will they be? So he that lays up treasures for himself is not rich toward God. There is a part of us that says we need to be rich toward God rather than worrying about me, don't you? And worrying about how many eyes we have. I mean the I, capital letter, not number of eyes. Think somebody's crazy. Uh, Psalm 36, too. If you turn real quick to Psalm 36, verses 1 and 2. An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And then, for he flatters himself in his own eyes when he finds out his iniquity and when he hates. He's happy to have this iniquity. He's happy for it to be put on people. When you go to the New Testament, to Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, and verse 7 and 8, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap. For he who sows in the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, and he who sows the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So we understand that the, that the fool did not reap for after life, did he? He didn't think about what was going to happen. When you think about fear of the Lord, who would you choose up here feared the Lord? This is an easy question. There's only two people. Who chooses Abraham? Raise your hand. Not everybody raise their hand. Who chooses Saul? Do what? <laughs> Nobody raised their hand. But Saul, I thought, was a good guy at first. Chosen. When we look at the fear of the Lord, we see that Saul did, was told to do what? We all know the story. The kids know the story. Was it to go part way and take care of what was the problem there with the Amalekites? Was it to say, let's keep the main guys and keep the big deer that are going to be good eating? No, it we understood it to utterly destroy. Did he do it? Of course he didn't do it, did he? And he had a reason why he didn't do it, but that reason didn't fit in what God said, did it? And when we think of the fear of the Lord, if you don't have the fear of the Lord and you have a reason that's not biblical, it doesn't fit, does it? It doesn't work. And that's what's happening in the world today, isn't it? They have reasons that sound good. Well, the Lord would want me to be happy. No, the Lord wants obedience, doesn't he? Now, Abraham, he was told to sacrifice his son. He got up early. I don't know if I'd get up early, the Lord said. I mean, it might be which son. And he prepared, didn't he? And I always think, that when you read that about Abraham, he didn't just go out like out here 
How many days did he travel? Three days, didn't he? So he had to think about it. It was something he had to think about for three days. Let's say two nights and three days. So it wasn't something that could just go away and we could get it done fast and it's over with. It took commitment, didn't it? Fear of the Lord is going to take our commitment. Because it's not easy. <laughs> it's not an easy task to say to ourselves, well, well, Proverbs says we need to fear the Lord, but what does it mean to us? What does it mean to us in our daily lives when we consider the book? With Abraham, it didn't matter, did it? It didn't matter that it was his son. A son of promise too, wasn't it? Same thing with Christ, wasn't it? Didn't matter. (laughs) We see his ministry for basically three years, and he changed the world, but he gave it all. Any comments? John has. Just thinking about this fear and what it is, it's, it's not an involuntary reaction to something. It's a decision. If you think about Israel when they were at Mount Sinai and God came down to the mountain and spoke to them, it just about scared them to death. (laughs) That was an involuntary reaction. But the reverence and respect kind of fear wasn't what it should be because it was just a few weeks they were building and worshiping a golden calf in direct violation of God's commandments. So it's, it's a decision, you just something you decide to do. It takes, you have to learn to fear God. And that started even from the Old Testament when Brian was talking about it. You know, uh, I, I think we each have to individualize the factor that if we wear the name Christian, there's some cost, isn't there? And, and sometimes it costs friends, it costs jobs for some people if you have true fear of the Lord it costs many things but the end result is the Lord takes care of us and when I look at what Solomon's doing this fear of the Lord when the Lord asked him what he wanted he could have gotten anything couldn't he according to the Lord but he chose that wisdom he chose that understanding to take care of these things and also to give us some of the problems. Anybody else have any closing comments? That was my le- Yes, sir. I was going to say about Saul, you, know, you said reason. I, I know what you meant by that. But Saul did what he wanted to do, and then he tried to justify it or rationalize it with his actions. So it, it's, I mean, I, I mean, we find ourselves guilty of that today. If we fear God, we're going to do what he wants, like Abraham did, regardless of what we want. No, we'll do what we want to figure out a way to justify it or rationalize it. And I think a lot of problems in the church today happen because of that very thing. If we feared the Lord, we'd do what He says. I'm talking, let's say, authority. <laughs> to just take an overriding view on authority. We don't have authority to do this, but, you know, it just seems right to me. And that's, and that's what Saul did, didn't he? But he didn't, maybe he didn't listen to the Lord. 
You know, when, when the spies went out and the Lord, in a paraphrasing, sent them out, what does that one verse say that many people miss when He sent them out? He says, send out the 12 men to the land that I will what? I will give you. So it's a done deal, isn't it? And you got 10 that say no. <laughs> Any other comments? That was my last slide. Thanks for your participation and, and your attention. And again, thanks, David, for last week. <laughs>